You know, I just want to welcome you here today. I'm so glad that you're here. You guys are the best. And isn't it great the game seasons are finally starting to open up a little bit. The fans are getting all excited in anticipation for what their team is going to do. I mean, fans will sit before uh, any sort of uh, selection of, of who the new people are and the lot lotteries and all the trades like that. And they anticipate, you know, just like, what's going to happen? Who's going to be picked? Who's going to be the next coach? Uh, how will that affect our team? How will it go forward? And they're anticipating all the changes. And then when you have a new year, oh my gosh, that just gets you so much hope. That gets you pumped up. It's exciting. And then during the game, the way that, that fans get crazy and get unruly and just all the things that they do. In fact, you know what? Uh, we got some music for you. You know, that organ music in a baseball or a hockey game, you know? What's it? Charge! Come on! Do it again. Charge! Come on! Charge! That's right. We get all excited. We get all pumped. Or if you're in a basketball game or a football game, of course, there's the other one, you know? Get your feet stomping, all right? Get your feet stomping, all right? Get your feet stomping. Come on! Let's get ready now. You out there, get your feet stomping. Get ready. Okay, ready? You know what? We're going to rock it here today, aren't we? We're going to get excited. We're going to rock Buddy, it. You're a you're boy, make a big noise. Playing in the street, going to be a big man someday. You got mud on your face. You big disgrace. Right in that face. Kicking your can all over Ready? Singing, we will, we will rock you. That's right, again. We will, we will rock you. They're getting excited. They're all pumped. They painted themselves up. They're talking about the game. They paid money to get there. They're wearing the newest attire. They got the newest hats. They got everything right. They are yelling. They are crying. They are hoping. They are ready. Why are we quiet about being a follower? Why are we reserved about what the scripture declares and says? What is holding us back? Culture tries to tell us who we're to worship. Oh, this is a person of sin. This is a person. There. This is the greatest song. You are to worship this person. We as a church need to take a stand. But the questions come how do we respond? The questions come what will we do to handle the pressure when we get pushed back? And, you know, how will we deal with that? Then there's even the question will God deliver us? Will God be there in that moment when the only real question? that you're being asked is who will you worship? Who will be first? Who do you go to first and say, what do you want? How do I put a smile on your face? Whom will you worship? Culture has got us to believe that Jesus needs fans. Get the latest attire, wear the greatest things, put the bumper stickers on, do the things. You be a fan for Jesus. And at a stadium, 
80,000 people will fill it up, the stands. And 11 will be on the field playing the game, putting in the sweat, doing the practice, putting in the effort. God needs followers, not fans. He needs followers in this day. And the culture is trying to tell you, as long as the church is full, it's got the stands full, it's the church. No, it's not. We need followers, people with authority. And so we're plowing up the ground. In this series, in the series, we're, we're each week, we're plowing up the ground. We're trying to plant seeds in your life, understanding in your life, things in your life, so you will have the authority to stand in this time, in this day, with authority. We're tearing up a lot of the deceptions, a lot of the lies, a lot of the hurts, a lot of the curses, a lot of the oaths, a lot of the stuff that we've taken on. that prevent us from being the followers that God has called us to be. We simply follow. So, we need a spiritual toughness to follow Jesus, toughness to live out our beliefs. We need to choose purity over popularity. We need to choose commitment over complacency. We need to choose faithfulness over compromise. There's a choice that we're called to make, and we're making these small choices daily, constantly. Well, our movie this week is about two uh, true, uh, it's a true, true stories about these athletes. And they're different athletes. Uh, they're running in the 1924 Olympics. And uh, the Scottish Christian, Eric Lindo, wants to bring God glory. He's a missionary. He says, if I, you know, if I can run on this platform and gain some notoriety, it will help me when I'm in China. It will help me in the mission field that I'm going to. It'll help me have a voice and to get more support for what's going on. The other is a Jewish athlete, and his name is Harold Abram. He runs to overcome prejudice, to show a difference in what's going on. So let's watch this Chariots of Fire. Yes, so indeed. Sabbath's not a day for playing football, is it? It's an awful step you're taking, little. The wrong would be against God's law. You came to see a race today, see someone win. But I want you to do more than just watch a race. Jesus said, Behold, the kingdom of God is within you. You commit yourself to the love of Christ. And that is how you run the straight race. for God and what he decides and chooses to do is because the race is going to be on Sunday and that is one of the big ten commandments to have a Sabbath day I'm not going to run and he makes a stand 
Well, we're looking at Daniel because Daniel parallels what's going on right here. It shows us principles to follow. There's four key actors. We have Daniel's kind of the main individual. And the first uh, six chapters, seven chapters are kind of about 12 chapters are about him. And then it gets into prophetic signs and all types of other things. And the three other supporting characters are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, King Nebuchadnezzar has captured them torn them from their nation, brought them in, and told them, you're going to eat my food, you're going to do my things, and they've already stood a test. And he says, you know what, uh, I've got a new idea. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make this 90-foot statue. So he makes a 90-foot statue. He places it in the plains, and he says to every leader of every nation he's conquered, he says, I want everyone to show up. This is the day, and we're all going to worship this big statue of me because I'm like a god. And 30, no, 300,000 people show up in the plains to bow and to worship the statue. Take your notes, follow along with me. Daniel 3, 4 through 6. Then a herald shouted out, People of all races, nations, and language, listen to the king's command. When you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zyre, the lyre, the uh, harp, and the pipes, and other music instruments, bow to the ground to worship King Nebuchadnezzar's golden statue. Anyone who refuses... To obey will immediately be thrown into a blazing fire. And when the music plays and when the notes are said, every person, even all the Jewish people, every single person uh, that is there may have to make a decision of who they're going to fall for, who they're going to bow to, who's going to be first in their life. And if you don't, if you don't step out of line, you guess what? You're going to die. And when the music plays, everyone bows down. Everyone takes a knee. Everyone puts their head to the ground. Everyone sucks dirt. But three. Three out of 300,000 people. And this gets attention. Verse 12. King Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. When you put, who you put in charge of the providence of Babylon, these are leaders. They pay no attention to you, your majesty. They refuse to serve your gods and do not worship the gold statue you have set up. These three people knew it was wrong. You can't have any other god before God, Jehovah. You can't have any other graven image. You're not to bow. There's to be no other. There is God God, Jehovah, and God alone. You, Him, only are you to serve. Period. Inside your notes. This is where we find Eric Little, the chariots of fire. You know, he is running because he wants to bring recognition to the mission, the work he's doing in China. He's running because God has given him the gift to run. And see, he says, to not run would be dishonor God because God's given me this ability, so God wants me to use it but I will not run on Sunday. I will keep the Sabbath, a day of rest. And like Daniel, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, he stands. 
and he stands out because he's going to the Olympics. He's been chosen by his nation. He's to represent him. He is their hope of really having a gold medal that year. And he is now saying, no, I will not run. Four ways we're to stand for God. One, we stand in public, in public. The entire nation is mad at Eric. How can you do this? You've blown it. We won't have any chance. You know, this was our year. You know, we were counting on you. A follower doesn't follow in seclusion, doesn't follow in isolation, isn't unseen by others, as some used to call a secret agent for God. You can't be that. You have to be a follower. You should stand out. You're something different. You're one of those followers, aren't you? One of those Christians. Someone is always watching. Family, friends, people that you are around when you go to eat, when you do work. There's always someone watching you. See, are you really going to live it out? Are you really going to stand? Are you going to hide it? You're going to cover it up. So my question to you is real simply is this. What stands out about you? What stands out about you? In public, in a situation, what stands out about you? That's a principle that's very important. When we come into agreement, it has power. When we come into agreement, it has power. When you pray and you're a part of deeper and you're interceding and you're using your authority and you come in agreement with God, it has power. It has authority. It brings change. It releases angels. It causes something to happen. But the principle works both ways. When you come into power and come into agreement with a lie about yourself, lie about others, a lie period, a deception. When you come into agreement with that lie, it has power. It is affecting others around you. Oh, what I do in private doesn't affect anyone else. That is a lie. And you may think you're getting away with it, but it is impacting. It is allowing spirits to be active around you and others. It is working. When you come into power with a lie, in agreement with a lie, it affects others around you. It also has power. Now, Nebuchadnezzar, he's never lost a battle in four years. Every nation he's come against, he's defeated. No one has opposed him. And he's furious. He calls for his, them to come forward. He says, not worship, my God, what is wrong with you? Is this your final answer? Heat up the stoves. Get them seven times hotter. We want to see the flames. You need to know this was something where there's a, a tunnel down into to a pit into the furnace, and this, this fire just raging up and coming up to the ground. You can see it. 
He's got it seven times. He says, grab the strongest men, bring them here, bind them. Is this your final answer? We're going to start up the music one more time. We're going to play it one more time. If you bow this time, okay. All right. I will forgive you. I will forgive you. But if you don't, you You know, what's going to happen is, will you stand under pressure? The king puts on the maximum pressure. You come into agreement with me? You come into agreement with this lie? Okay. If you don't, you die. Will you stand when there's pressure? Number two, I stand under pressure. Eric has the Olympic Committee saying, you, what are you doing? You represent all of Britain. Yeah, this is your only shot. You have to run. Come on, you can bend the rules this one day. They'll understand. This isn't like you're you know, doing something deliberate. This, is, this only comes around once. He says no. To the government, to the parliament, he gets pressure and says, you've got to support it. You've got to understand, if you really want support and you want stuff for the missions and all that, you've got to run. This is not going to go well. The entire nation is talking about, I can't believe Eric. I can't believe what he's done. He just messed up our chances. Why did he even get involved? We've got all our hopes up, all right. And, and his name is mud everywhere. They want nothing to do with him. They're angry with him. Now, I'm sure you're thinking about Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. What's the big deal? They're 700 miles away from home. Nobody will know what's happening. Or, hey, 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 I got this plan, okay? Just pretend. When you bow, don't pray to that statue. Pray to God, Jehovah. That way they kind of think that you're praying to the statue, but you're not. You're really praying to God. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't stand out. It's easier that way. Others are whispering, hey, what are you doing? Get out. Get down. You're going to get us in trouble. What are you? Get down. Do you realize what's going to happen? Do you get, get down. Or some are saying, what happens to Babylonia stays in Babylonia, you know? And I'm sure someone wise is there saying, you know, when you're alive, you can do more than when you're dead. So why don't you stay alive and then do you can do more for God? Because if you're dead, that's not really going to do much for God at all. You got to think about that one. Don't change to blend in. Don't be obnoxious. Don't be rude. But don't change to blend in. Eric refuses to run. The nation is against him. And what they saw in that moment as a nation was lost. There was hope, now it's lost. There was a chance, now it's over. We had this plan and it didn't work out. This is the only way to get there to the gold medal, right? 
you're going to face scorn, and you're going to face being ostracized, and you're going to have family, you're going to have friends, you're going to have other Christians that will come against you, and they will push against you. Whom, who, will you worship? See, one of the things you find is that fire refines us. It makes us stronger. It reveals your cracks, your weak spots. It may cost you a relationship, a job, how you're viewed. But you ask God to give you faith, and you ask him to give you courage in the middle of the fire. Now, you may be challenged to bow to some other pressure. It may not be a statue, but there's some other pressure that will come into your life, and you say, I just don't want to fight that fight. I don't want to be, I just want to hear that said about me. When you face pressure, what will you do? When you feel pressure, like this is costing way too much. If I go back, maybe I can make everything right and restore everything, you know? When you face pressure, what will you do? The king is furious. He orders the heat the fire opened up seven times worse. He gets his strongest men, his big buff men, his men that worked out, the strongest. He says that the strongest to come and grab them, to tie them up. Daniel 3, 21 through 23. So they tied them up. They threw them into the furnace, fully dressed with their pants, their turbans, their robes, and other garments. And because the king in his anger had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, The flames killed the soldiers as they threw the three in. So Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, securely tied and bound, fell into the roaring flames. And their strongest men are killed just by being close to the fire. The fire is so hot, it kills them. And here's the point. Satan can't be everywhere at once. So what he does is he releases a command. He releases a lie. He releases a deception. And then we come into agreement with that. And our our negativity, our anger, causes it to, to go around the world, to affect other people. That's how it spreads. That's how the cultural lie grows, so it affects a globe. Not just our nation, a world. In every corner of it, as we begin to allow a lie to be told and we allow that lie to take root in the next generation and other people, as that lie grows and grows and grows, his authority grows because we're coming into agreement. We're not combating it. We're not coming against it. We're not doing anything. We're counting ourselves out. We're just one with God, with the authority. And you can do the greatest things as Jesus. But we count ourselves out. So we stand in public. We stand under pressure. We stand when persecuted. The coaches, the runners, the people around him saying, you just messed up. You are so wrong. This is not a big deal. What are you doing? Everyone would do this. Everyone would die for the honor. What are you doing? And then something happens. 
One of the other teammates says, listen, I have an event. It's on a different day. What if we trade events? Then you get a chance to run. It's in hurdles. It's not in the 100-meter run. It's 400 meters. It's longer. He's never practiced hurdles. I mean, this is like, this, this is insanity. He says, I'll do it. What do you do when your company pushes against you? How do you respond when things go south, aren't going the way you were planning on it? Last week, we found that the reason they have the strength for right now, they had already faced the test. Eat and drink what's on my table. Well, that's wrong. I can't do that. I won't defile myself that way. They had already stood the test, and it had proven to make them better. They had already gone through some things. The challenges and things that we go through, the, the problems we go, are to make us stronger for the next thing. Or to become in agreement with a lie and, and allow that to spread throughout our family. We have to learn to stand when God asks us to stand, to be ready. And in that process, we will learn great things. But it's not over. Daniel 3, 24 through 26, suddenly Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and explained, Hey, didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, Sir Majesty, we certainly did. That's why we're all celebrating a party. We got everyone bound now. Everyone that's against us is out of the way. It's a party now. I see four men unbound walking around in the fire unharmed. And the fourth looks like a god. That brings the celebration to an abrupt stop. Verse 26, Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming fires, because it's so hot, and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out! Come out here! Now, I, I do have to admit, at this point, my weaker side would say, Oh, King, we can't hear you. Why don't you come on in? And they walked out. Everything that had bound them was burned up. The fire had removed everything that bound them everything that hindered them, the fears, their concerns, it had freed them up. Had they not gone through the fire, they would have secretly had been bound in other ways. There was no smell of smoke or fire. Ever done a barbecue not smell like smoke or fire? And the king does a reversal on the back. Daniel 3, 28 through 29. Then Gabriel says, praise to God, the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Megiddo. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted him. They defied the king's command. My order. They defied it. And were willing to die rather than to serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make this decree. If any people 
whatever the race or nation or language speaks a word against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they will be torn limb from limb, and their houses will be torn into heaps of rubble. There is no other God who can rescue like this. And that week, Craigslist had a slightly used statue available for sale. Bold, uncompromised faith of three men changed the king's mind, changed the nation. Their life was on the line, but they stood up. I want to ask you, what's on the line for you? Your family? Your identity? Something on the line that makes us give in to pressure, that makes us to compromise. Something we fear, something we wrestle with, something is on the line. Something that God is saying, I want to release you. I want to unbind you. I want you to have authority in what you do. 1 Peter 4.12 says this, Beloved, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. <sighs> don't be surprised. <sighs> at the fiery trial when it comes on you to test you. It's not testing your commitment, it's testing your fabric, your heart, who you really are. Don't be surprised. I'm working something better. I'm trying to set you free. As though something strange is happening. Can you see everything that's happened in the world? Like, it's a test. And more is going to come. It's a test. And people are going to fall away because they say, this, where's God? God's checked out. God is not checked out. God has heard and he has come down and he has chosen you and I. He's saying, stand. say, will God intervene in every situation? Will he defy nature? And the answer is, God will deliver you. There's three ways God deliver you. One, he will deliver you from the fire, and your faith is built. At other times, he, we can be, uh, be deceived through the fire, and our faith we can be re, uh, delivered through the fire, and our faith is refined. It's made stronger. It's made tighter. Then we can be delivered by the fire into his arms. We go to heaven, and we're perfected. That's not lost. That's a completion. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. 2 Timothy 4.10. What's the highlight of this story? I think many of us would confuse as to what it would happen. But here's the highlight. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defy or defile ourselves or defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into a blazing fire, the God whom we serve 
is able to save us. He will rescue us from every power, Your Majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want it to make it clear to you, Your Majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. I don't care whether I live or die, I will worship God. Nothing will turn me from that. I won't become apathetic, I won't let it down, I won't quit, I won't be overwhelmed. I will stand strong because I can trust you. In uncertainty, in adverse circumstance, in the face of trials, we will trust God. We will answer his call. And the fourth thing we will do, I, I put it personal, I will stand regardless. Regardless of medical reports, regardless of the challenges, regardless of costs. It's not my will, it's your God. It's what makes you happy, it's what you ask. And Jesus set that example in the garden, on the cross. Not my desire, not what I want, but what you want, Father. I surrender. It's complete surrender to you. And Jesus said, it's complete surrender to you, Father. Bow your heads for a second. I want you to pray the simple prayer of God. I know you're able. But even if you don't intervene the way I want, my hope is in you alone. Look at me. This is a time to trust. This is a time to take comfort. This is a time to stand. It's a time to use our authority that he gives us. It's time that we go into the very courtrooms of God. Do you realize he has a courtroom? And we're to go forth and we're to lay claim to justice. For what was taken, to be restored. For what was lost, to be repaid. I'm not just talking about finances. I'm talking about generations and curses and every aspect. Whatever it is, I'm demanding justice, God. Because of your blood, because of your authority, because of what you've done at the cross. I'm coming based on your word. Restore. Restore. What was lost? What was taken? And here's what's important. The fourth person, Jesus, is always in the fire waiting for us. We're never in a trial. We're never in a fire without him. He is there. He is surrounding us. He is setting us free. Eric Little went back to China as a missionary. Later, when Japan attacked China and took large parts of their providence, he stayed and he sent his family back home. He was taken and made a prisoner at that time and put in an internment camp. And he became the leader of that camp. He set the life and the pace and the peace. He created events, he did different things where they would have games and opportunity. He kept their hope up. He kept their strength up. And when he died, camp, guards and everyone turned out to remember him, to honor him, for how he lived his life, for the example he was even in that harsh surrender. 
You want to know what his last words were? His very last words. It's complete surrender. What does that mean? It's always doing what God wants. It's complete surrender. It's not partial surrender. It's whatever comes your way. It's complete surrender that glorifies God, that honors God, that brings the best for you and I. So do you believe Jesus is the Son of God and He is coming? Because He's heard what's going on and He is coming. He's coming to heal, to restore you and others. Everyone that we come in contact, everyone around us, in a physical way, in an emotional way. He's coming to rescue those that are lost that do not know about him. To restore them, to give them an opportunity. To restore justice. There's such injustice going on. He is coming again to restore justice. To gather the church, his bride, who should be clean, who should be prepared, who should be ready. Do you believe that he is coming? Do you admit, I am not right? I am not focused. I am not anticipating his arrival. I am not pushing to be the first. I'm kind of waiting and watching. If something's said, I'll, I'll see if someone else stands, and then maybe I'll stand. Do I believe so much that he's coming that I will stand, that I will commit myself, that I will respond to what he's gone? Do I admit it's complete surrender? It's complete surrender. Anything he wants, whatever the cost. You bow your head to me, you pray with me. Lord, I believe. I believe you're coming. And I admit, in my life, I'm not where I need to be for you when you're coming. And I ask for forgiveness. I ask for cleansing. I ask for change. Lord, it's complete surrender. There's some parts I've been holding on to. There's some things I've been holding on to. There's some places where I have a fist that's clenched and I won't let go. I open my hand to them. I release it. I want you to hear this prayer that I'm expressing to you, these words that I'm saying. Lord, I believe. I admit I surrender. And I expect you to come with power and authority in my life. I want you to open your eyes and I want you to come with me right now. Worship come My question to you this morning is this where do you need to stand? I believe that God's going to speak to you, He's going to direct you, He's going to tell you there is an area, there's a person, there's a situation, there is a place that you need to stand in authority you need to believe as never before. 
you need to exercise your authority. I want you to ask God, where is that? I'm believing that you know it. There's something that he says, it's going to take faith. Stand. There's something he's been asking. I just, I don't know if I can do it. You're going to need to stand. There's a place or a person that needs your intervention. You need to stand and intercede. As God is speaking to that to you right now, when you know, the minute you know what you're supposed to stand for, I want you to stand. Lord, we stand. We hear you and we stand. Push away what people think. Awkwardness. We're just, we will stand. I, I don't care what it takes anymore, Lord God. I will be your fool. But I don't want to miss you. I don't want to miss another single opportunity. I'm going to stand. Lord, you said to stand, and so we're, we're going to stand in this moment. We're going to intercede for the things that are upon our hearts and our mind. And one of the things, Lord, I, I sense is, is generational curses. There, there have been curses that have followed our family. Uh, there have been things where, where each generation repeats the same type of sin, and it seems to be continuing on. There's these generational things, and Lord, there's, there's generational consequences these generational uh, bad things that are happening, these generational things that just seem to, to follow us as a family, Lord God. They're curses. Their vows have been taken on by others, Lord God. And Lord, we need to stand against that. I'm going to even step out, and if you have family members that, that have made vows with the Masonic Lodge, uh, in any form, I'm telling you, those are vows that you're entering into that will harm you and your family. My family has been cursed so much. So many babies have not been born. Uh, I can go on about all the things that have happened because of a generational curse that others took on. And I want you to pray with me right now. Lord God, I don't think this is one that you can say under your breath. I think it's one you've got to say is authority. God's got to know you're giving him permission. Not me. And you've got to stand and say, God, out loud, God, I give you authority to break curses in my family, to break strongholds in my family, to come against vows that have been made, to break them off, to put the cross between me and that curse, Lord God, you break it. I come out of agreement. I defy it 
by your spirit, by your angels, by your authority, by your blood, in your name, set us free. Now, Lord, wherever I've opened doors, because of my coming into agreement with a lie, with a vow, playing with the Ouija board, introducing myself to spiritual thinking, think it's play, but I've opened a door. I close that door now. Lord, in my family and in me, you close that door. Holy Spirit, you reveal to me areas and thoughts, places that I can continue to close the doors. I trust in you, Lord God. Now, in your name, reveal to me. As Randy was sharing, and I, I was just kind of contemplating and thinking, what is the difference between someone who struggles with, well, I don't know. I don't know if God can do it. I don't know if he will. I don't know if I'm brave enough to really stand up against, you know, the world and, and stand up. And, and, I, and this is what the difference is. It's the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Amen. When you are filled with the Holy Spirit, Amen. there's a power source with that. That's right. When you are infilled with the Holy Spirit, you know he's real. Because you have sensed him, right. you have heard him, you have felt him, you have seen him. And, uh, and when you know that he is who he says he is, when you have seen him work in your life, when you have felt him, then you can stand up because you know he will do what he says he will do. And he is who he says he is. So I want to pray for that. I want to pray for that power source to be within you, operating within you. Let our prayer be this morning. Holy Spirit, light a fire in me. Such a fire that there is nothing that can stop me. I will stand up for you. I will do everything that you have asked me to do. I will follow you to the ends of the earth because I know that you are who you say you are. So Holy Spirit, come. Come in this place and fill us. Fill us with your power. Fill us with your power. Come Holy Spirit. Give us eyes to see you in a new way. Give us ears to hear you in a clearer way. Let us have a sense, Holy Spirit. Let us feel you in a deeper way, a deeper connection. And let a fire rise up in us in this moment right now. In Jesus' name, a fire that says, I will follow you. I will do whatever you ask me to do. Because I know you are the God above all other gods. And I know everything that you say is real. And I know that you will follow through. I know that you 
says you will do what you say you will do. Yes. And you are who yes. you say that you yes. are. So, Father, God, I pray that there would be that fire as we sing this song that would rise up. Rise up in us like never before. A strength will rise up in us like never before to do what you called us to do. To stand up for what you called us to stand up for. To believe in faith that you will do what you've already said you will do in our lives. In Jesus' name, we declare it and we speak it forth. Amen and amen.